From VQR and the Center for Media and Citizenship, this is episode four of Circle of Willis, where neuroscientist Will Cunningham and I discuss the beauty of complexity and the unconscious processes that shape our conscious motivations. You know you want to listen, but you probably don't know why. Hey everyone, it's Jim Cohn. This is my podcast, Circle of Willis. I guess I guess I want to start with a few questions uh, for this episode. So here goes. First, what's an emotion, and h- how do our memories shape and inform our preferences? How are our experiences and behaviors influenced by our goals? And at the end of the day, why are we so saddled with all these stereotypes and prejudices? I bring these questions up because. This episode's guest, Will Cunningham, has received actually numerous awards for his groundbreaking research addressing each of these questions, all from the perspective of brain structure and function. Because uh, he's a neuroscientist at the University of Toronto, where he's specifically a professor of psychology and also, also has an appointment at the Rotman School of Management. One of the funny things about this particular conversation is that Will and I don't actually talk all that much about his specific research. For that, um, I guess I'll have to have him back for another chat. But, uh, but don't worry, because instead, Will and I get uh, into a really high-level, sort of abstract conversation almost right away, discussing, uh, among many other things, Will's love of complexity, the, the aesthetics of data analysis, even what it might feel like to discover that ESP was real. Something, uh, by the way, that neither of us think is a possibility. Although we don't spend a lot of time getting into Will's work specifically, our interview satisfies a number of my goals for this podcast anyway. Uh, not least, sort of capturing capturing what a conversation with Will is really like. I mean, he's, he's someone who, who's genuinely in love with complexity. It's a guy who likes to be challenged with, uh, with philosophical puzzles. And it's a lot of fun to think out loud with him. Uh, and, and anyway, though understanding Will's work isn't always easy, you know, once you start to understand his process, and that's what this interview really gives you access to, the, sort of the way his mind works, you start to see how he's been able to unpack some of our most, our most mundane experiences uh, in his research uh, to reveal really just how sophisticated and complex our minds really are. And as, as he says somewhere in here, uh, our conscious experience of just about anything is the end result of, of really thousands of processes going on outside of our awareness. And, uh, and I, uh, I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, and speaking of cool, in this conversation, we also get to learn a little bit about Will's life, his, his adult life, anyway. Uh, how his how his interests led him towards science in general, and and chance tipped him towards psychology in particular, and then and then how neuroscience captured his heart in graduate school. But here's my favorite part, really. This recorded conversation sort of captures in real time Will and I moving from sort of you know pretty good friends and colleagues to 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 close friends, 
sort of going going up a notch in our relationship. <laughs> Sounds funny to say, but it's it, it's true. Uh, we were I would say we were good friends. We were pretty good friends and 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 certainly good colleagues before this day where I asked him to come and and participate in this this recording session. And during this day, we really we sort of took it up a level. Got to know each other a lot better. And this particular interview sort of captures that process, our, our process of, of opening up more about things that have happened to us, things we've done, things we're interested in, all that. So, uh, you know, I love, I love this recording for all kinds of reasons, but, but that last reason probably, probably tops the list. And, uh, and anyway, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm happy to share that with you. So folks, open your minds now. Because uh, you got to get, you got to really, you got to get your thinking caps on with this conversation with Will Cunningham. You got to, got to focus, focus now because, because here's, here's Will Cunningham. So you're on te- you're on uh, sabbatical right now. Yes. And what are you doing with your sabbatical? Actually, um, I spent the first half of my sabbatical teaching graduate stats. <laughs> uh, it sucks, uh, dude. Yeah, uh, that's the bad sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. I, I t- like. t- t- two search committees. It's a dumb idea. And uh, and the scanner committee. I, I Liz Page Gould actually came by a few weeks ago. I think uh, I believe it intervention yeah. informed me that like I am doing God this quite her. poorly, and I. I <laughs> I think that she may be grumpy if I reappear. Um, yeah, so I really just started probably last week with this actually trip to UVA. Uh, so primarily just visiting friends, visiting yeah. smart people, and uh, hopefully doing s- smart stuff. Smart stuff with so smart unlike people. You, Will. Well, <laughs> I. I'm a parasite, right? You know, oh, sure. I, I, I'll feed upon your energy. Okay, I'll do my best. I've, I've, I've you know, it's, it's funny because my voice is all messed up, and I have a cold. Of course. Uh, so, how you know? It, what, there was this interesting. I did an interview with John Allen hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, and one of the questions was asked actually by Bethany Teachman. I'm gonna I'm gonna invoke her her oh. question for the second time. Well, her, well, okay, I'm curious where you go grab that key there. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't you, know you, why you, that's here. It was There's kind of beautiful. You had this very dramatic moment. Like I'm gonna invoke Bethany Teachman, and you pick and up I a picked key. up a key because it yeah it doesn't symbolize anything. I don't. I was just like, <laughs> why is that here? And I, I compulsively tightened. Um. So, you know, her question was, you know, after we were talking about funnel EGA symmetry, she's like, how do I describe this to my grandmother? It really struck me because I struggle with that all the time. You know, my, my own family doesn't really have any idea what I'm doing a lot of the time. And so, you know, I, I, they're like, well, you know, they ask the, the, the reasonable question, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So I, I get to just get tongue tied. Well, I study the brain. Well, what, what about them? So how do you describe what you do to your grandma? Oh, it's funny. Uh, Probably using the same words I'd use to say to you, and she'd probably look at me funny. I didn't say you did it a good job. No, no, no. I'm probably quite terrible at this. Actually, uh, Jay Van Babel oftentimes says that people come to him and ask, "Do you have any idea what Will's talking about?" So <laughs> I, I'm convinced that perhaps, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, no, like, no. Clearly, like, uh, Jay's already gotten there. But, but you know, when, when I think yeah. about you, I, I, I think of you as a as a as a cognitive neuroscientist, probably first. Yeah. But also a statistician, mm-hmm. a programmer. You know, you're 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 part you're a big part of the the uh, the world of emotion mm-hmm. research, sort of broadly construed. Well, 
I, I think it all comes down to the fact that I'm not quite sure why anything is anything at some level. Um, we got that, that got very deep very quickly. <laughs> so yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, or mysteriously. Yeah. Um, well, luckily, you're trained clinical psychologist. We can have the therapy on the couch yeah, okay. later. Yeah, I got you covered. Yeah, at some level, I think that as a psychologist and I guess as a person, there's a belief that the world, I mean, you, there's a desire for the world to be a little more mysterious, right, than it actually is. But I just really want to believe at some level, at a metaphysical level, that there's more than kind of the everyday simple explanations for things, right? That the categories that we use to explain behavior or the way that we think about things or, I mean, this is why I was loving the emotion research now where some people argue that emotions might not even exist, right? They might just simply be aspects of ongoing conscious experience that we label emotion. Right, right, right. And clusters of phenomena we call Exactly. And a thing. And I think that that's where things get interesting because it's a way of kind of re-articulating what seems like mundane experience yeah. Into ways that at least we can pretend are not mundane. <laughs> <laughs> they're, pro- they're, but but they're probably really mundane. But but the thing is about that that's, that's really striking is very Will Cunningham <laughs> is, is that, you know, many people, the, the desire is to find some way to make complex phenomena more simple to understand. And, you know, this sort of Occam's razor. And yes. you're, like, you're like, hell with Occam's <laughs> razor. I want, I want to bring on the complexity. That, well, that, I mean, yeah. I, I think about this oftentimes. Um, you definitely don't shy away from that complexity. Oh, not anymore. in the slightest. No, you go, you dive right in. <laughs> so yeah, whenever I see these psychology talks, right, where someone has says, you know, what's the cause of empathy, or you know, is political orientation caused by A or B? Yeah. Right. And you look at these like one variable models, and it just seems like my everyday experience isn't caused by a single variable. So, I think that. Partly, my interest in the complexity is simply trying to kind of move up the level of analysis to be slightly more complex. I don't think that the level of analysis that I think about or the way that I think about things necessarily is the correct way. I mean, there are people who are molecular biologists that are going to think that my level of resolution is ridiculously oversimplified. So I just think that we need lots of people studying things at different levels of resolution, kind of keeping us all in check. Oftentimes... I like to be reminded that you don't need to explain a phenomenon with a 17-way interaction, right, if a two-by-two gets you most of the way. So I think science needs all people at all levels of resolution. And I think that I just tend to enjoy thinking about the complexity of things. I am very dissatisfied with very simple A causes B explanations. And my guess is that's probably something more dispositional Right, rather than being something having to do with a specific way of approaching science. So, so you know, on the one hand, there's a there's sort of a lack of fear of that that complexity, but also an appreciation of it. I mean, I, you know, I I, I mean, it brings up another yeah. thing that I know that I can talk with you about, but yeah. not everybody. Which is there's an aesthetic element, oftentimes for me, in the data analysis, in the in the the models, the yeah. conceptual models. I put you know, sometimes it's beautiful. Well, sometimes it's not as beautiful. Well, I, li- I like the fact you used the word beautiful, and I'm probably going to completely butcher this, but you basically <laughs> said that um, 
the purpose of this interview is to get you to say things that yeah uh, I want you to are, say are, stuff are, you're gonna regret later entirely regret yeah and when that's someone, my goal yeah oh this is going to be it or okay. among them when I read Brian Greene's book right the elegant universe what I liked about the way that he presented you know talking about things like string theory there was a sense in reading his book that he was getting more and more complicated right you have these very simple ways of thinking about particles and waves and suddenly he's talking about these strings vibrating and 11 dimensions or whatever it is <laughs> right and, and I, I believe it is 11 dimensions oh my god help me um and some of them are all wrapped up smaller in on each other and it's, i mean i have no idea I'm not a physicist right. uh but it seems compelling um but what i liked about it was that he p- kind of pulled things apart and it got more and more complex and then suddenly it seemed like terms started canceling Right. By pulling it out in a more and more complex way, he was able to find an elegant kind of solution that almost like simplicity starts reemerging again once you've actually pulled it apart. And so I don't think the goal I necessarily have is for things to be complicated, but maybe it takes pulling things apart to actually find the right number of few components that more accurately represents things. I mean, there's there, there are statistical approaches to doing things like this, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the sort of stepwise regression. But there, but I, but I, but I think you're talking about something related, but maybe slightly different, which is a, it, it sort of, it's that elegance idea, you know, explanation. Right. I think that what I like about some of these approaches is the realization that, like, you say you stepwise regression, right? Yeah. You measure variables and you assume that the numbers we've attached to these categories are the variables of interest. Yeah. Right. I think what's interesting about pulling things apart is you might realize that the variables that we're using aren't the right ones, right? So you throw fear into your model, uh-huh. right? So fear becomes a predictor of, say, arousal or fear of you know, vigilance. Yeah. But that presupposes that fear is actually the variable of interest as opposed to some component of the thing that we label fear, Yeah. right? And it takes pulling apart the complexity to start seeing you know, what the component pieces are to yeah. find these causal relationships. So you're thinking about things like alchemy, mm-hmm. right, versus what you consider to be modern chemistry or kind of modern physics. Yeah. Right, that for a period of time, you're thinking about what the building blocks of terrestrial matter are. Yeah. And they were very labeled things, things that we'd had in our, lingu- you know, had words for for some yeah. time, and you were trying to integrate all of that together. Right. You know, how much you know, fire and air is yeah, in yeah, gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... It really wasn't until reconceptualizing the idea of matter, right, and getting something like the periodic table of elements, yep, right. We start thinking about electrons and um, similar process yeah, of yeah, thought, yeah, but different constituents entirely. Exactly. And suddenly you start to see all of the relationships, right? What's the relationship between, say, gold and iron, yeah. and hydrogen and helium, and how do you integrate that to say get water or chair? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I think that really, you know, things like chemistry are probably the, the type of field it is right now with its rigor and its, you know, pretty high variance explained. Yeah. Right. Because of conceptualizing the building blocks at the right level of resolution. And I worry in psychology because we're studying the mind that we're trapped with the words that, you know, we've had for thousands or tens of thousands of years. Yep. You know, perception emotion cognition yep. fear you know disgust perception memory yeah. right attention right these are all things that seem very real to us and so we want to know you know how much of prejudice is how much attention and how much you know memory yeah 
right? And perhaps we're going to get the kind of parsimonious elegance if we stop talking about things in these emergent states. So the same way that you just said, like fear is an emergent state. Perhaps all of these things are emergent states and we're being hindered in some ways by having a scientific language that also matches the lay language, right? Yeah. Perhaps like it's useful to have words that don't correspond to everyday experience, right? That end up being the building blocks uh, that integrate into things that map onto everyday experience. Right, I, so I, th I see complexity as a temporary state that's necessary for the correct parsimony. Well, and, and I wonder if some, it's, it's, complexity is also a little bit of a state of mind as you're working through a problem. So as, as, you know, as, you, as you move through a problem and you realize there are more parameters in play than you, than mm -hmm. you maybe thought or hoped, uh, yeah, uh, that, that it starts to feel very complex indeed, but as you come to understand it, and uh, you know to really deeply understand it the same level of of on paper complexity feels less complex it mm -hmm. feels more elegant instead of yes. complex it's almost like there's a there's a there's a valuation to the two terms right and especially if we're trying like you you were talking about neuroscience right in psychology yeah. you're over to mapping cortex right into psychological processes oh, God. right the probability that like you know darwin gave us a brain that like corresponds to a thesaurus yeah right it's pretty unlikely yeah and there's a there i've often thought of it in in terms of the the difference between you know, what you could sort of call neural constructs and and verbal or psychological mm -hmm. constructs and there's very very little chance that there there's a strong mapping now, one onto the other now that said um th there's certain things that i really hope i'm wrong on is this one of them? This is. I mean, wouldn't it be really cool, right? If the brain really was organized, right? Like a textbook. Well, you know, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it is in the slightest, and I, I would yeah, bet no, I so doubt on very that. Much. I mean, I think it's. I, I think it. I think it's gonna. The story's gonna be a lot more about white matter than than gray matter than right. we than we've really appreciated. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yeah. This kind of. Oh shit. Okay. So when Bem's paper came out. Which one? The ESP the, one. The, the, the latest ESP yeah. one? Oh, I don't... Anything. Yeah, he did, he did one in 1991, too. That was Yeah, the JPS just one. Just Well, he tells something he has... Okay. You Did I just answer bed. your question? Did, no, 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 no. Okay, no. what? Is there part of you that just wanted it to be true? In 2011, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, or JPSB, as we like to call it, uh, one, one of psychology's most prestigious journals, published an article by Daryl Bem entitled Feeling the Future, Experimental Evidence for Anomalous Retroactive Influences on Cognition and Affect. Now, this article reported on nine experiments apparently showing evidence for precognition and premonition. It's a long story, but uh, I thought at the time, and I still think, that the paper really shouldn't have been published, at least not in JPSB. I'm, I'm not really sure whether Will holds that view, but, uh, but anyway, in the exchange that follows, he challenges me to consider how I'd feel if ESP were discovered to be real. All right, back to our conversation. You know, if Bem publishes that study, He's not challenging anything in psychology. He's challenging things in physics. Well, that, well and, that's and I was like, yeah, yeah you, that's come on, forget it. Right. So and that's and, and, and yeah. So that's what I get at, right? Okay. Okay. I agree with you. You read those studies; they're clearly, sorry, uh, not right. But I'm thinking like the back of your 
Hit the back of your brain, like that's a place. Uh, like it <laughs> is. I'll call it. I'll call it in your occipital, occipital lobe. lobe, the back. Um, was there some place where there's like, wouldn't it be cool if psychology was able to show ESP? And this one's saying about like this, the, the the mystery, kind of like something kind of magical. Yeah. That as a science that we could find. So I guess what I was trying to say is that I don't think it's possible for psychology to show that there's ESP, because it involves physical properties. That would require a physicist. Sure. I, I mean, at least at the mechanism level. Okay. So, so in that sense, until there's a physicist mapping out the mechanism, the simplest explanation, the most parsimonious explanation to me is that something went wrong and we don't know what it is yet. Okay. So now I want to push this a little bit farther then. Okay. I, I guess I'm interviewing you now. I guess so. Shit. <laughs> and and I, I, I have so many other things I wouldn't need okay, to talk Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll get off this soon then. Okay. Okay. So at lunch, we were talking about the talking dog. Yeah. Right. Right. I bring in Rover. Yeah. Rover's like, hey, Jim, how's life? Yeah. Can you get me milk bone? Yeah. Right? And we were like, clearly. I say, yeah, get yeah, you milk yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, this is a talking and, dog. Yeah. Right? So, suppose I bring you, instead of like Rover the dog, like, you know, Rover the ESP genius, right? Yeah. And he's like, literally like just reading your mind. Yeah. Right? Like, and, so, so subjectively, I'm going... I'm thinking of this color or that visual oh, scene. Yeah, yeah. He's he, just telling he, me what I'm he, thinking. Yeah, he, he knows what, you had, what you're yeah. having for dinner later tonight. Yeah. Okay, so... That would, that would freak me out. That would freak you out. Yeah. You, you probably wouldn't need the physicist... To believe the to phenomenon. To believe the phenomenon. I'd want, it, I'd want him to do it with other people, and I'd want them to be as self-doubting as me. Oh, sure. Okay, and, so, and, so, so all of these are... are oh, yeah, always, so, okay. so, so now psychology has now done something where physics says this is entirely this is impossible, possible. but here's... I guess we shouldn't call him Rover, but... Right, here's Rover. Here's Rover, <laughs> yeah. the ESP guy. The ESP dog. Yeah. Uh, the talks. The talks. Because I said, <laughs> just for backstory, I said no dogs can talk, and you come to me with Rover. Yeah, exactly, talks, yeah. And, go, and, and now he can he talk. He can also, like, right. have ESP. Yeah. Right? No, and I mean, Might and, as well. And so wouldn't that be fascinating? Again, I don't think this would ever happen, but if psychology could do that, that'd be kind of cool. It, I mean, if psychology could do that, if that happened... That would be, you know, you know, the, the analogy is for me, uh, I've often, people have often asked me whether I believe in ghosts and, uh, because when I was, it, it's actually, the, it happens to be the case that when I was a little kid, I was terrified of ghosts and it would, and I had new sleep problems actually for a while when I was like, you know, in my early teens, cause I was afraid that ghost was going to, and then, you know, now I cannot make contact with that person mm-hmm. at all because I'm like, if there, if I had any shred of evidence of no matter how tenuous that that made me doubt the end of my existence after I die, I would love that. I I, I see we're heading towards a belief in God here, aren't we? Yeah, no, not me, because I, I I you know because because I I I have sort of concluded that that evidence is just not forthcoming and it's not likely to be you know and there, so so in 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 the sense that I would love to find real evidence of a ghost. I, I guess I would love to find real evidence of something like ESP, but I would have loved it more 10 years ago but af- before I've been through enough iterations of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Cuz now I'm like, yeah, don't I don't I don't want to I don't even want to entertain it because I it, I you know, but interesting, maybe it's that level of disappointment that betrays my desire for that stuff to be to be true. Yeah, the reason why I ask you this is I think there's a link uh, between what we were talking about earlier and this, right? <coughs> Which is if we want psychology to be finding the mysterious, right? If we don't have God anymore, we don't have like talking Rover who's like predicting your dinner. Yeah. Right? Like finding like a different way of conceptualizing reality is something that seems possible. 
Yeah. Right. It's almost yeah. like what Freud's talking about. Like, yeah. Guess what? You have this whole rest of your iceberg unconscious. Yeah. 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 Right. That's well, pretty well, interesting. That, that's pretty interesting. And that yeah. maybe that's real. Yeah. Right. And so perhaps the, the desire for complexity and uh, conceptualizing thing in non-ordinary language, perhaps that's like a new quest for God in a sense. Right. It's a, a new way of conceptualizing you know, I reality. Be, I, 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 that's that. That's itself uh, an interesting psychological question. Right. You know, a good good ones for for a psychologist to be. Maybe someone is. I don't know about maybe. it. Maybe. But the. But you know, is the is the 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 impetus or the the, the motivation to seek out these kinds of uh, elegant explanations for for other, otherwise inscrutable phenomena mm-hmm. the same that that sort of leads us to to construct fantastic tales of of gods flying around in their flaming chariots in the sky, or I think what's even more interesting is take coming up with extraordinary explanations for mundane things. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. Why, how does the table exist? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the what's the heritability of carpets? <laughs> uh, oh my God! With this large enough sample size, you could probably find out. You'd probably find out. <laughs> so, what did you always want to do? This was it? Was this like you 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 got up one morning as a junior high school kid and said, "I'm going to be a, a neuroscientist slash psychologist." I remember in high school having to take that exam that told you what profession you were supposed to <laughs> supposed to be. And, and where was this, by the way? Uh, Where'd you grow up, anyway? Uh, ma- mainly in Connecticut. Mainly in Connecticut. So what part? A, this is a Fairfield, Connecticut. So, which was high Fairfield. school? Mainly is that, gr- that's like near. Is that like like near Stamford or? Oh yeah, it's by the water. So by the water. It's, it's by Greenwich. More, 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 it's actually more near Bridgeport. Okay. Uh, but I mainly grew up in Oxford. It's a small, small town north of there. But uh, I live. In, with my grandparents for a little bit uh, uh-huh. for a couple of years of uh, high school uh, to go to a slightly better high school in Fairfield. And that, that's why you lived with your grandparents yeah. to go to the better high, better high school. What yeah. did your parents do? What were your parents doing? Uh, my father was in computers. And my mother was in computers. <laughs> so and you I'm, are in computers. I am in slightly in computers. You yes. Yeah. Far I, I, from I, the eventually, tree. I, I I perhaps have stopped letting them down and uh, doing something that's real. Uh oh. Uh, you you were letting them down. Oh, well, we'll get to all of that later. That, that, okay. that, 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 that's definitely a couch conversation. Oh. Um, but well. anyway, going, going back to uh, whether I want to do all this. Deflection. Uh, yeah, I, I guess know, so. I know you. I want to I I I I go right for the analyst. I, I do. <laughs> Jim Cohen, clinical psychologist. Yep, that's right. It's like a superhero <laughs> title. Yes. Um, so I remember in high school taking you know this exam, right, where you ask all these personality questions and the little computer does its thing and it tells you like what career you're supposed to be. Yeah. And at that point, I thought psychological testing was the dumbest thing on the planet because I got my results and it said, I believe, psychologist, college professor, and like something else. Jesus Christ, bullseye. Yeah. yeah. And it was, <laughs> it was complete bullshit because I was going to be a lawyer, right? A lawyer. <laughs> God. And I think it's just kind of funny thinking back to that. It's just like how much I complained. About, I think Forest Ranger may have been the third. Um, <laughs> not quite sure how that. Fits. I identify with Forest Ranger yeah, sometimes. Take a walk in the woods. It's kind of nice. And so it's kind of funny. So I went to undergrad. I was a computer. Where'd you go to undergrad? Uh, College of William Mary. Right here. Oh, that's right. Right, that's right, 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 right here in Virginia. Down the, down the road. Yeah. I know, exactly. I still have never been there. Well, I told it's, you. I heard it's very pretty. Is well, it? I, I'm going to be there a couple couple know, weeks, a couple uh, months. What does you? You should come I down. Should, I'll, I'll come up. I'll yeah, we'll have to give visit. you a tour. Yeah. We can like walk down Dog yeah. Street. Maybe it'll be Dog Street? Yeah, Dog Street. Is that Street. why dogs keep coming up today? Presumably. Yeah, yeah Duke, Duke of Gloucester Street. 
Duke of Gloucester Street. Yes, yes. So affectionately, Dog Street. It's, it's it's basically the one street in Williamsburg. Okay. It's where all the they churn butter and the colonial people wander around. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, but yeah, hoop and stick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so he went as a computer science chemistry double major. Wow. Yeah. So why? So computer science, I get chemistry. I, it's because I was. It's what I was good at in high school. Uh huh. Right, and uh-huh. so you, I can you, see that. You, 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 you go do the thing that you're good at in high school because that's right what you're away. To go I envy do. you almost painfully because chemistry was very hard for me. Really? Yeah, it was. It's like just like puzzles. I know. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine you being good at it. Uh yeah, not so much. I mean, I did it for years. I did two years of chemistry in college, but it kicked my ass. Man. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I feel like I have to explore that. Not, I mean, this isn't for this, but that, okay. that, 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 yeah. that, that, that blows my mind for some reason. Well. I mean, I hear you were soldering like I did pooping together and yeah, but that's 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 anyway. Anyway, so, yeah, so yeah. you were computer science and, and chemistry. Yeah, and and you did that all the way. That would that did you graduate with that oh. as your majors? I, I survived a semester of that. A semester. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and you you went straight into college out of high school. Yes. Okay. And uh, I was always interested in a little bit of psychology, philosophy, and things like uh-huh. that, kind of on the uh, side. So I. Um, Plus, your test told you that that was yeah. Well, be. I ignored that because that was clearly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, reactionary. So, yeah, I took John Neslick's uh, Intro to Psychology class my very first semester, and it was just like the coolest class. Like, like one of these just like shamanistic type, nice, you know, professors. Nice. Uh, I think there's some. Cra- I don't know if it's still the case. There's some crazy percentage of the number of lay Mary students who actually take his section. Of introduction to psychology because it's just, but again, it's, it's the one I lucked into, right? Yeah, Because yeah. it was eleven o'clock and I wasn't going to wake up at eight, right? Uh, so <laughs> I love those kinds of. I love how those kinds of considerations wind up being so con- consequential in our lives somehow. Yeah, I, I wonder if he somehow knows that like he's going to get like the, the the wacky people at eleven. Have you have you ever talked to them since? Yeah, uh, we we, we still talk uh, talk a lot. Actually, I'm looking forward. To, I actually coordinated my trip back to William and Mary because he's um, he spends a lot of his time in Poland now. Is that right? And uh, so I wanted to make sure that he was going to be there for the visit. John Neslick. Uh, yeah. He, oh, you should meet him. He's, he's, I'd love he, to. He's pretty fantastic. Cool. So you took his, his intro it, class. It was amazing. And so you, I, you shit your pants. Oh, yeah. It was just like, like this was good. Right? Yeah. The, like, this is like, life is interesting. Like, I thought Freud was like the shit. Freud, Freud kind of is the shit. I mean, I, it doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to be right. No. But he was interesting. Right. He was interesting and, 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 and honest. Yeah. And painful. Yeah, to read. And at that point, I decided I was going to become a psychoanalyst. Nice, right? Wow. With like started. I mean, well, you know, I can see that. I, I, you know, I think a lot of very analytical people mm-hmm. like that approach. Oh, it was because cool. it's it's very deconstructive. You know, mm-hmm. and again, it goes back to the idea of mysterious. Yeah, right. There's, sure. There's there's what you, there's what your there's conscious this giant experience. iceberg underneath the surface that that's there to explore and and understand. Yeah. No. No. And I think what's interesting about it, right, is that going back to what we're talking about complexity, right? You have your mundane conscious experience. Yeah. And there was this idea that like there was so much sitting under the surface, right? That like your conscious experience is like this end product yeah. of thousands of things going on that you have no idea. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And like Which and is you, undoubtedly true. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. And I just found that mind blowing. Yeah. Right. So of course it is I mind blowing. Yeah. So I, I, I talked to John and I said 
I volunteered to like you know do research with him. Of course, I said psychoanalysis. He said, "How about some uh, social?" Well, actually, sorry, John, I know you're not a social psychologist. How about some personality psychology? Hoping kind of code, you know, d- do data <laughs> entry for him and things like that. But he he really kind of took me under his wing, and awesome. it was amazing throughout the whole thing. So I switched to be a psychology major. Uh, right, and so, what what year is this? What year? Like your junior. I th- no, no, this would be right away because you. Yeah, you only I, 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 I think I might be revealing things to my parents here if they ever listen to this. That like, you let I, them down sooner than they thought. Yeah, I do, well, <laughs> I, I, th- I think I, I think I unofficially switched majors before I officially switched majors because I think you can continue being a computer science major but stop taking computer science classes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Clever, yes, Clever boy. yes, yes. So I ended up doing that. At the same time, I was taking classes in uh, religion. Uh, wow! So, like early Christianity, yeah. um, mainly because I was dating a very attractive, um, very religious person. And thought That's that, what you got to do, man. You gotta, you gotta take your lumps. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I see, you know, a lot of our conversations are about kind of theological issues, and I yeah. got very interested in East Asian religions. Interesting. So, I took all of the Buddhism classes, all of the. How about that? I had no idea about this. Yeah, so I ended up for most of my time there being a double major in uh, religion and psychology with taking all these philosophy classes. Which At like William a, and Mary. Yeah, horrifying my parents because like I went there as a That's like very liberal pro- arts hippie dude. I loved it. That's awesome. Oh, William and Mary was like, I, I know I'm at UVA and I'm not supposed to be you know, saying these things. Yes, so, you are. You're, yeah, you're supposed exactly. to be saying everything. Exactly. Oh, William and Mary's just fantastic. Oh, good. Uh, it's, it's so funny. I don't know how many people have gone through. Like, you know, Daryl Cameron just came out of there. Um, you go through like the honors theses and the master's yeah. theses. It's so many f- amazing how people kind of pop through there at some point or another. Right, right. But I think that, yeah, it was this amazing liberal arts where you're just supposed to like read literature and kind of think about religion and deconstruct religion. Now what, what time, what, when was it? This was the early 90s? Early, yeah. So I started uh, William <laughs> Mary in 91. Was Michael Rohrbach in the, do you, does that name ring a bell? That does ring a bell. I thought he was at William and Barry, Mary at the time. He was a f- friend of mine. So oh, undergrad there? No, no, no. He was a faculty. And what department? He wound up being in psychology. He wound up being faculty in, in the psych department at Arizona when I was there. Interesting. Yeah, maybe before, after my time. Yeah, maybe. Or I may have just been oblivious. Could have been oblivious. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about you know, pretty religious girls. Exactly. Well, that was yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the real choice of college majors. Right. So, and I was really thinking psychoanalysis again for almost all of my time in undergrad, looking at these different schools of psychoanalysis that yeah. kind of exist. Yeah. And you'd have been good at it. Actually, the funny thing is, I half want to still do it. Yeah. Maybe you should. I think it'd be kind of fun. I wouldn't judge you. No, 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 no. And, and if you did, Paul Meal did. Paul Meal did till the day he died. I didn't tell you. I mean, I told I, yeah, you. Yeah, didn't you know that, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Paul Meal uh, practiced, was a practicing analyst, old school, with the couch, sit behind the person with his paper and pencil for his entire career. He did it every Friday afternoon or Friday all day or something like that. Well, I mean, I really believe that it's useful to explore the meaning structure. Right, yeah. that you build. Right, if 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 we're serious about these ideas of complexity, so much of our conscious experience is the meaning that we apply to the universe. Yeah, and exploring that is just this is a so theme critical. With you. This yes. is definitely a theme yeah. with you. But yeah, so how to get into neuroscience and social well, so 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 you go through you get yeah. you get you're taking all, all, all the other classes. You're going to be a psychoanalyst. Psychoanalyst. So so clearly you went to a 
grad school that was going to train you to do psychoanalysis. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, that's exactly what Yale social psychology and cognitive (laughs) neuroscience is all about. So help me figure out how you get from I'm going to be a psychoanalyst to I'm going to join the social psych graduate program <laughs> at Yale for crying out Yale. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, it's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little jealous. Why? I'm a little, I'm a little Cause Yale is amazing. Yale oh, so social psychology. Arizona is pretty amazing. Also Arizona. I had a great time. I loved graduate school. I loved every minute of it, but I have a, I have a hang up about the Ivies. Re- okay. Yeah, I do. I find it no, so no, I mean, we're going to, we don't have to say, no, 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 no. I, I yeah, we'll have to say it for later. Cause I find it fascinating. Cause I kind of feel like it's weird. You, like I like to give talks, like wherever people invite me, right? Yeah, me too. And you go and you give these talks to these schools that like no one's ever heard of, and everyone yeah. they're so smart. Yeah, right. When you're talking, There's smart people everywhere. Yeah, when you're talking about like the top percentage of people in a field, the differentiation between like school one, and school like three, or and school three and school twelve is like next to nothing. Yeah, it's all what you make That's of it. Interesting. Yeah. So but, how'd you get to how'd you get to Yale Social Psych? So. I remember I was in the library waiting and, for... And did you go straight over? Oh, no. Okay. I had my 2.9 GPA. 2.9? Yeah. What? Will Cunningham? Oh, yeah. No, that, that's, that's, that's a... That's oh. not terrible. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you, know, so, you know, I remember uh, getting into like a pre-med honor society mm-hmm. as an undergraduate with a pretty crappy yeah. pre-med... You know, my, my bio and chem were... Yeah. Like two point four, two point five. Yeah, well, there's but two things that was considered pretty good for that major. Yeah, no, this this was just me doing my own thing. Uh, I think that I really treated undergraduate as if I found the book interesting, I read it, and if I stopped finding it interesting, I stopped reading it. And um, I'll never do anything but support that yeah. approach to life. And or if I found a different book I was interested in that wasn't related to the class, yeah. I would. And so I think that. So I, to this day, I still try to figure out whether I did undergrad right or wrong, because at one level, I remember talking to my friend, you know, Dave DeRosa about this, uh-huh. and I remember com- complaining, I said, I, it was like my third year of grad school, I was like, I think I squandered oh, yeah. my undergraduate education. Oh, God, I know. Right? Like, Me too. Like, it's so I, depressing. I, I took a class on cosmology. Presumably, I should know more about cosmology than I know uh-huh. right now. Or I took a class on like Heidegger. Right, and oh, I didn't, I didn't no, you re- did it right, right, dude. No, no, you did but, it the right way, right? But I, I squandered it. No, no, but I didn't read all the Heidegger, right? No. Like, well, I, nobody I, has. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's maybe, the illusion, right? Yeah, but I think about if like, I had taken undergrad more seriously, like there's all this stuff that I may have like missed out. At the same time, you know, Dave looked at me and said, "Yeah, and life would have been so different for you, right?" So, right. Yeah. so it, it all yeah. worked out, sure. but I almost wish. Well, and, and I I've had enough of that got in that you can't, you don't really necessarily know. Right. Right. So it's part of, it's sort of part of the constituent makeup of, of Will Cunningham when you are doing your fMRI analyses. Well, exactly. And I think what I would love to do is I would love to go back and do undergrad right now. Like yeah, almost, almost, right? almost even more oh, so Jesus. than go back and do psychoanalysis again. Oh man. I would love You're to do a four year liberal arts degree. Oh me Like win, too. I would win the lottery. God damn Take it. a four year sabbatical. Do undergrad again and come back I to like the university. That. Oh my god! Read the great that books. That's such a good idea. Oh, it'd be amazing. So that's not going to happen. Yes, but so what? So so. But, but there was a question you asked about like how I got into uh, this other way of doing. It. I was actually in the library, uh-huh. and waiting for someone who was perpetually late, <laughs> and uh, 
I have a tendency that I just have to read in whatever's in front of me. Yeah, me too. That's so why like, the internet's been so damaging. Oh God, yes. Like yeah. I read Mark Mill cartons. Yeah, yeah. Me right. Too. It's uh, a sickness. Oh yeah. And I just sat there, and there was a book, just kind of sitting there, like on that cart where they're supposed to put things back. And it was a, I think it was a Ostrom, Hamilton, and Divine. Really? Right. And it, the title of the book was like Social Cognition: Impact on Social Psychology. Wow. And it just happened to be the book sitting on top of the pile and so i just picked it up and i started reading right the back cover and the introduction and they were talking about unconscious processes oh. right and ding, all the, ding, ding, right ding. yeah all these things i thought were so cool about analysis and i was like you can do studies on this stop it and it was like that sounds kind of cool and literally, that's when it happened. I became social cognition. This is so embarrassing. I actually got a license plate that said social cog on it. <laughs> I still can geek. Okay, I still have that license plate <laughs> in my office. And Majin Banaji has the other one apparently in her really? office. <laughs> Virginia, that's, social cog. That's awesome. So, so how does a guy who has a 2.9 GPA and saw a neat idea on a book cover get to Yale Social Psych for grad school? Uh, well, you apply to grad without school. threats or bribes. You, you apply to grad school and you uh, don't get in anywhere, okay. and you get you get to have a crisis of faith and yeah. a, a crisis of um, self identity. Yeah, and you get to go work minimum wage uh, <laughs> at the at the place that actually um, good for the soul. Good for the soul. Well, had, had I believe it was uh, twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah, uh, but it had health care. Right, so doing what? Where, where? I was a, the, what's it? Uh, was what's the exact title? Well, basically, guy in bookstore. Guy in guy bookstore. In bo- so you know, you you're a guy in a bookstore. Stock, stock the books. You in in, in, in uh, Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, right, you, you right, right on Dog Street. So so, so <laughs> <laughs> it all comes on back. Street. There's that's a, Dog Street's got to be a a book title oh, at some point. It probably it might, might probably is. Likely, we could probably look it up later because we can read. But yeah, so I spent that. I so spent what was the name of the bookstore? Rizzoli's. Rizzoli's. It's, it's still it's, there. No, it's not there anymore. Oh shit! Like, I wanted to go there and and, and well, the live bu- the Will Cunningham the, the, the experience. Building, the building is still there. It's just something yeah. else. But I'll, I'm going to stand there and like just be in awe, like in a month. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I I did this crazy thing where you could check out um, volumes of like journals, things like that. Uh-huh. And I. Okay, if you think the other stuff was nerdy, this is going to be like gonna blow th- my th- mind. Th- th- this is going to be like you might actually kick Listen me. Listen carefully, kids. You may actually kick me out of like your house <laughs> after this. <laughs> I read section one of JPSP uh-huh. for twelve years back. Okay, the, that I just about freaked out because I thought you meant that you spent twelve years. No, reading no, no. Section one of you, you read. 12, Twelve years, years back issues, back issues of JPSP. Like how? How? <laughs> like like like? I, how I, long did that take you? Took me a year. A year. That's yeah. a pretty good time. And you uh, must have been reading at a pretty good clip. Well, okay. Sometimes you don't read the whole article. Oh come on! I know. Tell- Sometimes the figures are all you really need. Oh, but uh, fine. But yeah, so that's where I discovered, you know, John Barge. I discovered Russ yep. Fazio yep. and you know Majin Banaji. Yeah, and, and she didn't she wind up becoming your? She advisor? became my advisor, and so it was yeah, actually the the, pa- the paper that. So it was a recent article. It was the one by Irene Blair and Majin uh-huh. Banaji, where they were doing all of this kind of 
conscious, unconscious, automatic yeah. controlled aspects of stereotyping and prejudice. Right. And Stuff that, that actually matters yeah, so, a lot. Yeah. Actually, so, that's that work. Yeah. So Blair Bonacci, 1996. That's where I decided that seems good. And you know, in the full context, I was reading all these books. And I, the great thing about working in a bookstore in a tourist place year round is a, you have spent a lot of time sitting on a chair reading. Reading. Damn, man. So, nice job. Yeah. Nice uh, well, use of your time. Well, unfortunately, what this means is my knowledge of social psychology is about like 1982 it, it, to 1996. <laughs> it just ends. And it just ends. It's all over. Because then you got to do your own thing. <laughs> exactly. You can't read anymore. You have to do. You can't like learn. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So then uh, William Ray had a master's program. So I went to that for two years. Uh-huh. And then from there. Oh, I see. So that, that makes that makes. I mean, because I, I was prepared. I was sitting here prepared to hear you tell a story where you go, you just write some like amazing letter to Mazarin and and you know you have great GREs and no no like, no oh yeah this prodigy I, I have to no I had to have the forgiveness masters yeah 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 but yeah. the forgiveness masters and for at at William at William Mary because because luckily they they actually saw the transformation right yeah these these are people who like I guess you know in retrospect they would tell me like. We saw potential in you, and why were you fucking it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to yeah. see me as the like, oh, he doesn't seem to be fucking it up anymore. Right. Yeah, hooray. <laughs> hooray. <laughs> Come Part on two. in, my son. Uh, yeah. So, and I shared actually an office with Chris Preacher. R- really? Yeah, he had, the office, yeah right, he had the office right next to me. Well, it's not shared, but they were tiny, so I kind of consider it shared. That's great. Don't exaggerate too much. Yeah, just a little... Um, but yeah, so then I applied to grad school, and that time I was actually able to write a personal statement talking about my ideas about, right? You know these topics. And so, what did you do? Did you do you do you did a master's thesis? Yep. What I went on? Uh, actually, I did it on. At that point, people kept on talking. It's funny. It's kind of it's like my talk here a little bit ago, where everyone's talking about uh, your automatic preferences and your uh-huh. your conscious preferences. Yeah. Uh, are entirely unrelated. And right unpredictable of each other this was a right. really big idea back then yeah 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 it's funny thinking about my psychoanalysis way of thinking right, right, about right. things was, that made absolutely no sense to me that yeah. your conscious experience was not a function of your unconscious right 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 so it's simply just showing that the stuff was correlated if you actually modeled it um statistically properly so well, so that 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 there's there a lot of foreshadowing in the whole rest of your career <laughs> exactly right gotta model it right do the right, uh, you know, model. Yeah, and actually, and that, again, that was John Neslick. I mean, okay. he, he had to be, Got he, he and Pete Dirks were my uh-huh. two advisors. So even nice. then, I, as a social psychology and a cognitive psychology advisor. Nice. nice. And, you know, John was a modeler. Like, he didn't care about yeah. social cognition. He actually made fun of me for liking social cognition. He was like, wow, two millisecond response difference. That changes my life. Uh, yeah, but like, that whole thing. But he was like, hey, if you want to model it, let's model it. And so, Love yeah, it. Yeah, he's the one who taught me to think about things numerically. So what did you write when you wrote to Mazarin? You said, "Hey, you know, I, I, I think I can model your your thing very well." I don't actually remember. Wasn't that personal statement? I do remember the. Yeah, I don't know why. I, yeah, I, no I can't idea. remember. My, I wrote a personal statement. I can't remember. I, I mean, I, I assume it was like halfway decent. Please, I mean, I, I please give me a position so I can stop living in a. Exactly. I, I, I was living in a closet at that point, yeah. literally. Uh, cause it was a two and a half, two, two bedroom with closet and the closet was right. big enough to put like a twin bed in, <laughs> uh, it's cheap, uh, <laughs> but when you're making 12,000 a year, yeah. um, but I do remember when I did my interview at Indiana with Russ Fazio and I look back on this, I'm trying to figure out like what response I would have if, like a prospective grad student is, I asked him for all his raw data from his 1995 paper. 
because I wanted to reanalyze You wanted to model it. I wanted to reanalyze oh, it. Oh, God, that is so, so awesome so, so I remember, ballsy. <laughs> so I, I, like back I would have shit my pants if someone, you know, f- you know for people out there. <laughs> don't do that. In, well, or maybe do that. I mean, it was effective, you know, maybe. If someone wanted to analyze my data, I'd be like, yeah. So I still have. do that. So I still have a my three and a half. going. Yeah, I, I still have a three and a half floppy, the inch floppy disk. Oh yeah, right. you they, still they, have they, it. The they, floppy disk. They, 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 Ross on the second day handed me with all the raw data from his. He gave it to yeah, you. Yeah, he gave it to me the next day. So that's why I did the second night. I love him way more now. Oh no, he was fantastic. Yeah. He was like, "Here's some data." That is such a great <laughs> story. But it was also slightly naive too, right? Of course it is. That's but super that's but naive. Brilliantly naive, beautifully naive. You know, people talk about that all the time in in science about how naivete is a real. Uh, who was it? Was it was it uh, Keith Dean Simonson? Seems plausible. Because a lot of times people come, they don't know what they're not supposed yeah. to know yeah. or not supposed to ask or not mm-hmm. supposed to do. And so they, they wind up sort of accidentally creating a very creative, right? coming with a very creative idea. So, yes. so, 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 but you went to Yale. Mm-hmm. You got into Yale. Yep. Your, your parents happy now? I, I believe so. Uh, I, I, th- I think they became a little more happy to start doing neuroimaging, right? That seemed a little so more that, real. But that came later. Exactly. Yeah. So Yale, not good enough. <laughs> I, I don't know. So I'm so, not leaving it for later. No, 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 no. You're not leaving it later. I don't know. So here's one of these funny things for like you can get him on the phone. It, it's possible. Like it's possible that I just simply have this like neurotic personality that just kind of assumes that like I'm never good enough for anybody. Yeah. So Interesting. how much? So so how much am I projecting my own self doubt on others? Right. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So so that's yeah, a good question. So, we should all be asking ourselves in academia. Analysis. Because we're all, pre- yeah, analysis <laughs> is back. Maybe you should go and do some. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you got into Yale. Yeah. That's pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. That's a very, that's, that's, that's an achievement. Yeah. Right, was, a, right, it, right it away. Fan- and it, it was a fantastic time. Uh, it was a really great group of graduate students there. Yeah. Because you were, you were, you were there with, as I've just learned, you were there with Brian Nosick yep. and Bethany Teachman. Uh, and and didn't you have like share an office with with Brian? Yeah. And 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 who else was was? Oh my God, Greg Walton was. Greg in that Walton room? Uh, and Tony Freitas. Um, oh my God, it seems like Jack Glaser was there. Buju Dasgupta. And the funny thing is, like, Substantive I, I, group. I, I now feel terrible because like I'm I'm now neglect. For all of you very famous people who I'm neglecting, I apologize. I just have like Jim staring me down, which is of course affecting my memory. So uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with you. It's uh-huh. all Jim. Yeah, as usual. Wow. So, so what did you do in graduate school? You, you, you so, so you had a master's already. Did, mm-hmm. the, did any of that count towards your graduate? Thank program? God, not. Yeah. Right. I, I know. I. I how, how, many, how many years were you were you in? So I did Yale for four years and uh-huh. two years at William Mary. So a total of six. Great. I, I always four think years though. Yeah. Jesus. Well, I think it's really kind of funny, but always people like want to get ahead, right? They want to yeah. like, stuff to count. Yeah. Like I, no, I took seven no, no, years. Yeah. Like why leave grad school early? Oh God! If there weren't, if there weren't institutional prohibitions, I would recommend everybody completely. (laughs) Right? I mean, it it is the best state of affairs. Possibly, postdoc is better. But that's true. Well, well, postdocs are freaking about the job a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Like grads, you don't have to start worrying about that yet. Yeah, you get to just go like be handheld when you need to be handheld. No one expects anything of you at some level, and oh man, you can just like. But, but also, all the time. but also the the process of learning about yourself and your interests, mm-hmm. and and you know uh, waking up to all the all of these multiple 
I would I don't I would call them elegances. Yeah. You know the 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 you know uh, classical test theory and mm-hmm. and and item response theory. Everything is mind blowing. Sort of, everything is just incredible. You know the the MTM M and the the devices when John Allen and I talked about how, you know, both of us had the same experience of learning about physiology, partly through seeing the amplifiers in sort of the way that a teenage boy sees a muscle car, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, I just, I want to use that. I want to mess with that. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and all of that stuff is happening at the same time. You take screwdrivers or dissecting things. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I still do that. Oh, grad school was amazing. Right. So like I, I show up, I remember on the very first day of orientation, right? Because they have this thing where all the faculty kind of like give it a little like spiel, right? About what they do. Yeah. And there's like Liz Phelps. Yeah. Right? And she's like, check this out. It's a picture of inside the brain. And yeah. guess what? See this thing here? It's the amygdala. I can look at the amygdala. This is like, brain. what, 95, like, 96? Uh, 97, I think. 97, 97. 97, 98, around that right? Uh-huh. And you're just like, whoa, whoa. You can look inside a brain. I know, man. I had that. I read, remember. I, I, I just would shit my pants. I mean, yeah. I, I knew about autonomic physiology. I knew about uh, EEG. And I knew that there were these things called MRI machines and they could get, take an image. But but when I learned that they could take an image of your brain doing a thing, uh-huh. yeah, I completely yeah. lost my like, shit. I, I sat I, I just remember just kind of being in awe for just like yeah. her entire presentation. Yeah. And like probably like good person to introduce you to it too oh yes 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 yeah. Yeah, infectious it, yes it's just just and talking about the same types of variables right she's talking about you know automatic threat responses yeah and unconscious learning and looking at the you know neural mechanisms that might give right and i was like clearly i have to do that yeah so did you start doing that in grad grad school? Yes, yeah, so I was working with uh, Mazarin and Liz at yeah. first doing. So my very first, actually, most of my first papers are actually with Liz. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, sense. and Mazarin, yeah. of course, yeah, too. Yeah, but, of course, yeah. Uh, but I, th- I, mean, I guess I think in terms of content, I, yeah. I typically associate it with you might say with with Mazarin. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Mazarin was very heavily involved, of course. Yeah. I mean, um, that, but when Liz left is when Marsha Johnson came, uh-huh. which is funny because bringing in the memory piece. Well, what's funny about that is most people don't realize how many emotion researchers were actually trained by Marsha. Interesting. Liz Phelps is a Marsha Johnson student. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea of that. So, so that actually makes Liz my mom and You're, my sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, I, as soon as this is over, I'm going to get her on the phone and I'm going to tell her that you said that she was your mom and your sister at right. the same time. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, she probably liked that. So... Yeah, when, when then Marsha came, uh, I ended up being it fully co-supervised, you know, by you know Marsha and Mazarin. Marsha Johnson, Mazarin Benaji, and Liz Phelps. A little bit of Liz Phelps. That's not a bad combination. That's, that's a, a fr- that's a pretty cool combination. Unbelievable combination. Yeah, dude. And the thing is, I think so much of life what are you is talking about. It's amazing. No, I mean, how much of life is I think recognizing opportunities where they fall in your lap. Yeah. Right. I that's probably like ninety nine percent of success is like realizing that something has fallen on your lap and it's pretty magical. So you, you go in, but you go in with, with this, uh, I mean, one of the thing one of the things that I've kind of lost track of is, so you started out with this interest in com- computing and chemistry. Did you, but you kept doing computing. You kept on a little bit doing some programming. I mean, not as much as I wish I had. I feel like everything I learned back there is entirely useless. And I'm actually reteaching it to myself because yeah. the things that they can do now 
Yeah, yeah, no. just, but you can. But that's what but I'm, I'm think trying to pick it up at. again. Yeah. So you've got you got some computing. You're clearly good at math, so you can handle the stats, and then you and then you blend that with this new tool that you're learning and these great influential minds. Yeah. And and you are you are that is a very very. It, it's been a fantastic a fine voyage. combination. So what 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 kind of questions were you asking at that time? Yeah, it's funny. It's always been about how the unconscious mind shapes the conscious mind. Yeah, right. right? I've I, I've always and, been interested and in the when, link when they when they match and when they mismatch yeah. and all of these kinds of things that I, I know about your work. Then yeah, so I mean, I think I've always been interested in like the fact that consciousness is the end product of a lot of stuff. Yeah, and is w- it like a readout? Like 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 a does it does it sit on top as an epiphenomenon or is it does it have some kind of causal? That's a great question, right? I know, because at one level you can simply say it's epiphenomenal, but another level is we know categories are meaningful. Like once you've labeled something, yeah, but it, that it, doesn't really solve the problem of epiphenomenon. It seems thing, to me. Well, the thing I have trouble thinking that consciousness is only epiphenomenal. Me I too. Don't, I, 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 in I, fact, I just refuse to believe that. Yeah. Somehow, in a very tautological no, fashion. I, I believe it's like the last bit of magic we kind of have in some sense. So please don't take that away. I get that. Yeah. No, I mean, actually, honestly, you know me well enough to know if you take it away, it's, it's gone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. curse you slightly. But I think that is this frontier, and it's amazing how we just, like, we just attribute magic properties to it. Like, all these dual process models, right? Yeah. We have the automatic stuff, and then we have the magic homunculus that I decide to do something homunculus. else. Yeah. Right? And I just think consciousness is, like, the most important thing in a sense but I don't even know how one would study it. It's such... It's the most important thing and the most fraught thing, not only from a, a theoretical, psychological perspective, but, but from a personal one. Right. You know, what is going to happen to me? Right. My my eye. Oh. Where is it going to go? So we can discuss whether there's an eye or not? Yeah. See? Right? So so <laughs> you, that's... But I think that's why everyone, including most neuroscientists that I talk to, are, are at the end of the day... The, at the end of the day, it's not about... Do you want to believe in ESP? Do you think there's a God? Do you think it's, there's a you? Is there a you? Is <laughs> yeah, there is there a self right. that, that, that that is causal? That's causal, right. right? And that and that gets to questions of free will, and then pretty soon you're just like, it's time to drink. I know, which we are doing later. Yes, because we'll have had this conversation. No, it'll probably continue in more yeah. depth. But um, yeah, so I think that that's why I'm slightly interested in linking the things that we think about as being unconscious with conscious. Yeah. Right, because it's strangely my interest in the unconscious helps me understand what the consciousness is. At least in terms of contents. Yes, contents. Like like yeah. like at least the stuff's coming from somewhere. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. And. Um, it's interesting. I never actually quite thought about the fact that this all goes back to John Dills, like accidentally giving a lecture on Freud. Yeah. Sorry, John. There, I mean, it's, it's, there's so many interesting things in, in your story, but the, the you know, the, these little points right. that, that it could have been this way, could have been that way. The book you picked up, mm-hmm. you know, reading. But that's all of life, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like it's, life is full of opportunities. Like I, you really know, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you know, you said that the, that test said you're going to be a psychologist and a professor. Um, I, my mom gave me this box of old crap from high school and uh, as a as a junior in high school in one of my English classes or something we had to make a little speech about what we were going to do when we got older I had no I have no memory of this whatsoever and I look out and, I, and, and my little essay that I wrote is in there and it's I'm going to be a psychologist that's fantastic yeah 
and it and it talks about you know all the the different branches of psychology, the different areas, and all. And, all. and uh, I have no memory of that at all. Mm-hmm. Where did that? How does that? Is that just pure coincidence? I don't know. And how old were you for that? Probably fifteen. I guess you would know what a psychologist was at that point. Well, I went to yeah. the library and looked exactly. at it. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, I, the thing is, I can see that. I mean, you're, you you ask people a lot of questions. I mean, come on. Think about what we're doing right now. Yeah. And you, it's you, true. You're bringing people in to ask questions. I've been doing right? this approximately since I was seven or eight. I don't know why. It's it's a compulsion to... I, I'm, I'm chatty. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the... Um, so you're you're doing these... You're, 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 you're sort of probing the contents of the unconscious... Brain, mind, brain, mind, same thing. Brain slash mind, and 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 looking at how it's associated with conscious processing. Would you say uh, deliberate? Would you say that conscious equates to deliberate or effortful processing? Oh, jeez. Let's see. The the funny thing is that I think that's just where we probably end up with this dualistic thinking. Yeah. Right. We have the category A is this, 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 and category B is the opposite of you know that list. The answer to that question probably really depends really on domain, right? Because I think like what is effort? What is deliberation, right? Effort is the the, one of the obsessions of my life. Yeah. What is effort? Well, what's deliberation? It's just time on task. Yeah. Right. Or the subjective feeling of doing it deliberately. Yeah, I mean, it seems like as soon as you start invoking these terms. Yeah. In a non. They may be fictions. Or right. Skinner might have been right about those at least. Well, maybe. Or, I mean, these are kind of computations, right, that, that happen that we ascribe some degree of homuncular right, agency to. Yeah. But it's interesting that we have, like, effort, deliberation, conscious, yeah. Um, yep. reflective, right, or all yeah. these controlled, yeah. you know, yeah. terms. We link them together as kind of this, like, magical well, little, that's like, one of the things soul I think that of, we have. Know, there's all this debate about, about depletion. Right. And, and it's like, you know, you know, you periodically see the declarations that cognitive depletion is, is, is not a thing really mm-hmm. like, well, what about fatigue? Is that the same you thing? Know, what, I, I don't know, but, but certainly they're related, right? They must be, you know, I, you know, does it, if, if one thing is not real, does that mean cognitive, uh, you know, mental fatigue is not a thing or that, uh, you know, well, so my, my grad student sent me an article and now this is going to be my third massive error of memory for today. Oh, good. Because uh, we'll keep them going. Yeah, keep them going. Because I, I read the abstract quite clearly in the general conclusion. I looked at a couple of the figures and I skimmed it. So I'm about to ruin some like <laughs> magical paper. And if she hears this, she'd be like, "Read the paper first before <laughs> talking about it." But it was talking about uh, the way that we kind of store things in working memory, and if you have multiple things you have to hold in mind, right? What you can do is you can actually put these spatial temporal patterns, right? And if you have a certain amount of bandwidth. One way of holding multiple things in mind is segregating the bandwidth, right? So you can put things into different frequency bands, okay. right? And that's interesting how that fits. It suddenly is a computational way of thinking about capacity, yeah, right? Because your bandwidth is only so much, right, right, and you can right. only fracture bandwidth so much, so much and and until until everything drops below maybe right. some kind of threshold exactly. of, of function. Yeah, you're no longer criticality anymore, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you're only doing one thing and you're using the whole bandwidth for one thing, right? So suddenly you start thinking things like That's depletion, flow, right? right? Yeah. You start thinking about depletion and fatigue and all these yeah. things. And rather than using these words, what if we start talking about the way that we parse bandwidth? Did you ever read anything by Arne Dietrich? No. 
on it, he has this whole thing uh, about uh, like prefront uh, was it transient hypofrontality uh which is why we enjoy r- running and doing sportsy things because it makes our prefrontal cortex stop working and that's awesome but he also talks about just what you said you know the sort of how 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 many times can you divide right what the what the what the resource is capable of doing before all of its capabilities and in that maybe the subjective experience of things like effort is just a, is just like a code, right? It's like an output code, a signal that that you're splitting to find. Well, because if you think about like all of cognition as being just patterns, right? Right. Neural patterns. The more you yeah, s- and the, more, the more you split the bandwidth, the less you know, the fewer bits right. you actually have for any particular thought. I mean, you fold in Marcus Rakel's stuff about yep. about mm-hmm. you know the the sort of the the rel- relative constancy of of metabolic activity, right? Uh, and you know, it's not like you you can suck up more blood and, and glucose mm-hmm. when you're thinking harder. You can't do that. It's all, it's all sort of the, the resources is what it's going to be. So what you do with it, you know, how you parse it, how you divvy it up mm-hmm. is, is, is that's the name of the game. It's not whether you can get more because right. you can't. Yeah. So doing that, is that control? Is that effort? Is that deliberation? Yeah. yeah. All of the above? Yeah. I'm not I sure. <laughs> wow. But it's something. So you so you finished up so 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 you were you did four years at Yale that's it uh, four and a half and when did Ma- Mazarin go to Harvard uh, the end of my second year I think end of your second year yeah and, I and that's when you started doing like crazy driving back and forth you drove back and forth to Harvard then you you would actually did you have a place to live in uh, both my, places my, my brother lived south of Boston uh huh so I used to just go you know, take the train so you take the train up from from New Haven from to Woonsocket, Rhode Island. <laughs> actually, he didn't live here. He, Woonsocket. Well, he actually lived in a town just north. It was actually Massachusetts, but I just love Woonsocket. Woonsocket. Woon. Woon. Something. I now Woon. apologize to all people from Woonsocket. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought you were saying Woonsocket, and I was like, "Can you say that in public?" <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> Okay, so now now we are learning about your mind. Yeah, right. Yeah, forget the analyst. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna leave that one alone. So so you so so you do you consider yourself also a sort of product of Harvard? Somewhat. I mean, I, and I, do you put that on your CV? I mean, it's like your your degrees from Yale. Degrees from Yale. I have a line in there that says like Exchange Scholars. Because if like you put Harvard on it. Then you can make a bazillion dollars consulting to, you know, I could also, industry. you know, make a billion dollars by pretending neuromarketing works. Yeah, right. We can do that with Yale, too, I think. Pr- pr- presumably. Sorry, was that, was that just a Yale slight? I think that might have been a little... little no, 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 Yale, no, 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 no. So I, I, I chose to hear that as like Yale's good. Good, good. Thank you. So like, you know, we, we, have, we don't sell our... No. So, 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 so th- that was what, 2003... 2002, 2002. Well, it depends on how you count, right? Because the defense was one year and then walking was another year. Uh-huh. So depending on whether I need to be late career or early career, I changed my year of PhD. <laughs> and and did you did you do a postdoc right after that? I did a year and a half. Actually, I stayed with Marsh Johnson. Okay, so at Yale, you stayed yep. at Yale and did a year and a half postdoc. Mm-hmm. Year and a half because presumably you got a job. Yes. Well, I got a job actually. When did I get it? Did I get it when I was still a PhD student? In in two thousand, I either got the job while still a PhD student, or in the very beginning of the postdoc, uh-huh. and then I deferred. Okay. I know, I know, I deferred yeah, for a I year. Did that too. So where did where did you get your first job? Uh, University of Toronto. University of Toronto. I loved it. Yeah, Toronto. 
Such a great city. Oh, fan, I yeah. love that city. Except it's too cold. I go, well, okay. It's too fucking cold. Okay. I would never live there because of that. Oh, I was trying to convince you otherwise, but um, well, no, it's Toronto's wonderful except for the yeah. one month a year it goes homicidal. Homicidal? Yeah. Meaning it tries to kill you. It tries to kill you with the cold. Yeah. yeah. Well, or probably deliberately. Only one month? I well, like, no, okay. Four. No, no. The other month it's cold. Uh-huh. But not like trying to actually and actively it, What is that month? You. Is that February? Or February, it's typically. February? February is the death yes. month. Yeah, I remember in Madison, Wisconsin, I was afraid to check my mail, go to the mailbox. What if I slipped and hit myself? They just the snow would be accumulating in my open, glassy eyeballs oh, yeah. at the no, end of my driveway. I was I was watching you guys doing your graduate recruitment this week, right in like uh-huh. beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, in like the, it's pretty and, nice. And, yeah, although I've heard this is actually unusual. To be it, fair, uh, it it yeah okay, but <laughs> and I thought about that like. Wow, Toronto, this beautiful, magical city that we do all of our graduate recruitment During and our faculty recruitment in the homicidal month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, right, and you have to sit there. Well, like, then you know that you really the got them. Book, right? Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. Right. You know, then, they, then you know they then they've passed through the gauntlet. Yeah, and they come. And they come right? surprised that they actually yeah. leaves exist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you got. So what? What year did you start at Toronto? Uh, two thousand. 2005, right? About when I started yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. About exactly the same time. I, I love how no numbers are actually accurate whatsoever. Yeah. They, they all it have... doesn't matter. It's it's like there's there's a there's a there's a confidence interval. Yeah, around it was in the mid 2000s because you can't remember anything anyway. No, exactly. I can't. I mean, especially as I get older, mm-hmm. I'm just useless. Well, I told you the other day. I, did I tell you I misremembered my age the other week? You did. So I was walking into just I was curious to see what the casino, the inside of a casino, looked like at midnight. Yeah. And you want, wait, you wanted to, I'm sorry, what you wanted to see what a casino looked okay, like at midnight at midnight. You never seen that before. No. Where were you? I was in uh, Niagara Falls. <laughs> and I just thought it'd be fascinating. And we walked in and the guy said, some of us are fascinated by things like that. Yes, that's right. Oh, it was so interesting. Was it? I mean, it, it was, was one of those things where, you know, there's like no natural light and the, no, no clocks like, like, anywhere. No, I'm just doing like almost like facial coding, right? So oh. Looking at like people's responses. Slack like jaw drooling. Or just like staring at staring. like these like or like or these people were clearly there with fake IDs. Oh right. Really? It was like really bimodal the ages. <laughs> but that's not but <laughs> going on in, um, you know, they, they asked it, you know, how old are you? Right? Because yeah. obviously I'm I'm probably not eighteen years old. And how old are you? I'm forty three. Forty three right now? But but somehow I said thirty four. <laughs> I and yeah, yeah. And I, I was going up the escalator and it was just like wait. No, that's not that's right. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You're graying a little early, but you can pass for exactly. 34. But I like how, but I love how somehow you can just like flip the actual numbers. You know what? I still sometimes, when I'm trying to find a date really quickly, I say 19. You're married. I mean, sh- 19 something. You know, I don't think 2000. That's still yeah. like a cognitive, like there's some kind of barrier. Yeah. So I have to, I get a little mini P3. Yeah. And then before I say the the, the 19. Yeah, and then I say you know two thousand five instead of nineteen ninety five or something like that. It doesn't. It's kind of strange to think like the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, I know. It's like you know that's my life. Stick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you were at Toronto, but then you but then and and what were you doing? Were you you were you were continuing to do your your neuroimaging mm-hmm. work of you know unconscious mm-hmm. processing in emotion. When, when it, where does emotion come in? Because you know, at some point, I, I met you with the Emotion Research Group. <laughs> yeah, that's actually Jerry Clore and Lisa Barrett's fault. Okay, so uh, how'd you meet those guys? So 
I, two of our favorite people. They are wonderful, wonderful yeah. people. Yeah. Adorable both. I know. Um, so I was at an SPSP conference and I was presenting in the Attitudes pre-conference. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, that's, Attitudes. That, that, that's apparently that's your, what I do. That's your wheelhouse. Right. And I bumped into Lisa and Jerry. And Jerry came running up because he guess he had read my IR my interview processing paper. Everyone has. And he was like, he was like, I love your emotion model. And Lisa was there, like, yeah, yeah, you should really come to the you know the emotion you know pre conference you know because like we really like your emotion model. And I was thinking to myself like, what emotion model? I have an emotion model. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it though. I get it. And uh, yeah, so I think that it's again going back to my contrarian nature. Yeah. That. Uh, Ended up going to Ohio State right the next year. The next year, what, no. Why? Why do you say this? Because of your contrarian nature. Oh, because you loved uh, Toronto, and you're like, "Fuck this!" I can't, oh no, no, I can't no, no, be no, in no, a place no, that no, I no, love. No, 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 Toronto has never been a non-loved place. Yeah. Well, it's about the, they feel the study. So I was an attitudes researcher. Okay. And you know Yale, also in um, Toronto, and then yeah. I went to Ohio State because that's where attitude research happens. Yeah. Yeah. And you're surrounded yeah. by like fourteen thousand attitudes researchers, <laughs> and I was like, clearly, I do attitudes. I do emotion. <laughs> 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 which I is see. Like, which is so that's where you really, you really uh, started taking on the identity as someone who studied yeah, emotion. Yeah, I mean, Mar- Marilyn Brewer has the great idea of like maximal distinctiveness, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. like th- this is a crowded playing field. Like, yeah, well, and, and that's a real thing. I yeah, mean, that that makes a you know, especially for for uh, uh, I mean, it's not just a real psychological phenomenon. It's it's a real thing for for consideration in your career. Yeah, no, I, I think that I tend to work slowly. I don't like competing with people directly. Yeah. I don't like rushing. And yeah. I just like have my own little sandbox, and I'm like, if I if uh, so if I ever look up and I see like 14 people in my sandbox, like it's time for a new sandbox. I totally, totally relate to that as mm-hmm. we've talked yep. about before. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Okay, so how did you? So so you're there for uh, six years. Six so years. So Toronto for two years, Ohio State for six, six. and now I guess back at Toronto for four or five. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you so think, eleven or twelve years total, right? Right. After, yes. So. Yeah, something like yeah, it must have been, and 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 you, yeah, you're back to Toronto. Yeah. So what happened to the 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 pretty religious girl in, in at William and Mary? Oh, uh, she she's a faculty member elsewhere. She is? Elsewhere. Yes. Oh, to be unnamed. To be unnamed. Yeah, and and uh, you know think things are things are on track. Oh in yeah, the, in the in the the relationship. Oh, you are Domain. definitely going an- analyst here. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, things are fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and the way I'll frame this is, as we've discussed, you know, yes. we, we lead our parallel lives. I know. And so what that Unbelievable. means, which means if you criticize my life at all, it's, it's going to be criticism, it's, 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 criticism it's, it's of your own implicit, life. Which, which gets into many wheels within wheels of analysis now. Yeah, and this is fantastic because like, this is one of these great things where like, you know, we're obviously not going to go into this and we're just going to leave this as like, like, <laughs> what, what, like what's this mysterious symbiosis? We've had our we'll, relationship issues, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, we have. And, we like, sure have. And, and I believe your life is pretty fantastic now as well, yes, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. yeah so 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 now everyone's gonna wonder like what's with Will and Jim what's what's going on in their yeah. lives? Yeah, I, I tell people that Will Cunningham is my what was the uh, my karmic doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in many ways. Yep. Although I missed out on Yale and Harvard, that's that that I didn't get to do that. Well, but with everything else, we've basically done the same stuff. But right down to playing the bass guitar, we learned. That's stuff. right. That's right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we 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 pretty much have like the identical partners now. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. It's, it is super insane. Yeah. Man, 
All right. Well, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. That that that's that's awesome time. Thanks. That's fantastic. Thanks for talking with me. Awesome. Good seeing you. Shut oh, well, that I, one I, down. I, I, I love this whole like goodbyes. We're gonna like you know hang out yeah. first of the evening. Yeah, we're gonna hang up. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's go drink. Exactly. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. That's it. That's enough of that. Thanks to my buddy and my my sort of karmic doppelganger, Will Cunningham, for being such a sport and for keeping me on my toes, man, during that that one. I can't wait to do that again. And, you know, I might just give him a call right after recording this, right now, because I can. And uh, and I kind of want to. He'll probably pick right up and, and tell me he can't talk right now. But then I'll, you know, I'll call him later and it'll all be good. Any, anyway, dear, dear listeners, the, the music on Circle of Willis is written by Tom Stouffer and Gene Rooley and performed by their band, The New Drakes. For information about how to purchase their music, check out the uh, About page at circleofwillispodcast.com. And, uh, and don't forget that the Circle of Willis is brought to you by VQR and the Center for Media and Citizenship at the University of Virginia. And... And that the Circle of Willis is a member of the Teej FM network. You can find out more about that at teej.fm. And uh, and if you like this podcast, how about giving us a little review down there at at, at old uh, you know at iTunes and letting us know how we're doing? It's super easy, and we like it. We do. Uh, or you can send us an email. Uh, by going to circleofwillispodcast.com and clicking on the contact tab. It's pretty easy, too, and uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have any reactions to what we've been talking about, anything that you're, that bothered you, anything you just want to say, you know, give us a verbal high-five. Just do it. In any case, I'll see you all at Episode 5, where I talk with Lisa Feldman Barrett of Northeastern University about her view of emotion, a view that has caused a lot of us to completely rethink what we thought we understood. Until then, bye-bye. bye-bye.